Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Okay, man, let's turn and burn. Are you not entertained? And here we go. The official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. And wherever you're listening, however you're listening on this January 13th, thanks for making us part of your day. I know you're looking at the calendar going January 13th. Ballsy, it's April 13th. Uh, look outside. I beg to differ. Are you crazy, man? What is going on? Although I know it's not the first time we've had a spring storm, but it is messing with my plans. Supposed to have my son come home for Easter, but that doesn't look like it's going to happen. He'll be affected by it, and you might be too. So check the highway hotline if you're out and about. If you have any road conditions or anything like that, uh, you could text us 936-6262. It's our text line, and it's powered by Capital uh, GMC Buick Cadillac, Saskatchewan's number one GM dealership. You can call that number too, and uh, we'll update you with the road conditions. You'll be our eyes and ears. We want to get everybody home safe. Don't travel if you don't have to. This show is brought to you by spreads.ca. Sign up using the code CKRM, and you'll receive free $25 sports bet. So that's cool. Thanks to spreads.ca for getting on board. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline, as they always do, longtime sponsor. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. So want to thank my uh, operator in tow over there, Colson Schultz, who has been uh, helping us during Rider Broadcast last year, and he's now filling in for Zinger, who has had some health issues. Hopefully Zinger's back on the other side of Easter. I know Colson is because he's busier than a... Then a guy who's organizing a one-car parade. He's a busy dude. Also want to thank our uh, program director, Abby White, for uh, helping out behind the scenes, too. Okay, lots going on today. How about from the Major Leagues of Baseball? Seven innings of perfect baseball for Clayton Kershaw, one of the best left-handers of all time. 80 pitches, fans 13 batters. He's got a perfect game on a cool afternoon in Minnesota and Minneapolis, but his manager, Dave Roberts... Looks at the fact it was a shortened spring training. Looks at the fact he's got an older pitcher. Looks at the fact that it's a road game and pulls him out. Come on, Dave. Baseball's boring. Don't take away what little excitement we got. But he pulls him out. They asked Clayton after the game. Kershaw said, nope, it's the right decision. We're trying to win a championship here. You don't win a championship in game five. So Clayton Kershaw, seven innings of perfect baseball. He was going for the 25th perfect game in Major League Baseball history. Wow. 
The Regina Pats have caught a break. They are trying to get into the playoffs. They're two points back of a playoff spot with three games to go, and they were supposed to play back-to-back games in Winnipeg. Now, I'm whining and complaining that my son can't get here from North Dakota, and I'm selfish, so I'm only going to care about me. But how about the Regina Pats? They catch a break. They're going to play on home ice against Winnipeg. So the best team in the league comes in and plays the Pats. It's home games for Winnipeg. So Winnipeg will get the last change. Winnipeg will still stay on the visitor's bench at the Brandt Center, but they'll be the home team. Pats get their same dressing room, their same bench, same fan base, but it is quote-unquote a nice home game, and the teams are going to split the revenue. So... Pretty good all the way around because Winnipeg's got a small rink there, the Wayne Fleming, so they'll probably get more fans here for the Pats game. And the Pats get a chance to secure a playoff spot or take a big step on home ice. Now, they got a great team they're playing against, the best team, the Winnipeg Ice. The last time the Pats played the ice here, they lost 7-0. So let's go out on the Western Pizza Hotline and talk to the Chief operating officer of the Regina Pats, Trevor Bunai. Trevor, first time I've talked to you. How are you today, my friend? Hi, Bosley. Thanks for uh, having us on. Uh, doing well. Merry Christmas. We're, yeah. we're, we're, we're calling it Christmas in April here, so we're, uh, we're pretty excited about the weekend ahead. Well, gee, didn't you unwrap uh, the gifts early? Like, talk about that. It, you know, somebody was smiling uh, kindly on you from above. Like I said, I'm complaining because Mother Nature's screwing up my plans. It screwed up your travel plans, but to your benefit, right? Screwed up the travel plans, and you know, first and foremost, uh, you know, we're a, a member of a 22-team league here, and we want to make sure that our our players and all the players across the league are safe. So, um, with the you know the previously pending uh, storms coming through the Manitoba region, we uh, you know we 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 got together and we came up with a plan here. I think that really is a a win-win-win situation for everyone, including our fan base, as you had mentioned. Mm -hmm. So we're excited to be uh, previewing a potential playoff matchup here over the next couple of games and uh, all kind of exciting things happening. So Yeah. um, So we'll get to that in a second, uh, Trevor, but I do want to talk about the the behind-the-scenes stuff. So, like, how did that go with the ICE ownership group? Uh, They were down with, uh, obviously, they're down with what you just said, protecting the kids first and foremost we we've seen a couple of bus tragedies in this province that we don't want to relive so you don't want to take any chances if you don't have to right but in terms of saying hey we'll play the games here they were okay with that as long as we had some sort of agreement on revenue and everything like that yeah so at the end of the day right this is a it's a league matter so uh the the league wanted to see the games obviously take place and take place this week or else the dominoes start to fall right. and affect the entire schedule, not only for the WHL playoffs, but the Canadian Hockey League as a whole and the, the scheduling for the Memorial Cup. So the league asked us to come together, uh, you know, put our put our brains and our, our efforts together here. And, uh, you know, I want to have a shout-out to SaskTel for not having any uh, particularly heavy costs for long distance anymore because there were a lot of calls back and forth throughout <laughs> the day for a number of people yesterday. And at the end of the day, as you said, we, we did come up with an agreed-upon uh, revenue share model. The league laid out the, the basic rules for 
what has to occur in terms of the the technicalities of the game on the ice and and the home uh, the home uh, team advantage that the that that the ice will have uh, in terms of last change and that type of thing. Um, but it was a long it was a long process where uh, you know. Uh, really, it was two teams uh, acting uh, acting in unison, and it, it was uh, a unique uh, and, in the end, uh, exciting experience for us. And I, I also want to mention our our friends and, and partners at Real, who, you know, just held a, a large concert event last night and are working very hard over the next couple of days to turn the Brandt Center back into the arena that uh, that it needs yeah, to be that's for a good, games on Friday. That's a good point. Not only that, but then they got to staff the event, something they didn't think they'd have, two extra dates, right? Two extra dates, and not only that, but it's Easter, right? Good Friday, as you mentioned, and then mm. uh, our, our regular regular season home game finale on Easter Sunday. So lots of, uh, lots of balls in the air. So it wasn't really, you know, the two organizations, but also our partners at real that really need to really needed to step up and, and uh, help us make this all come so, to fruition. Trevor, I say that I don't know you well that well, but I say this tongue in cheek. Uh, I'm friends with Sean Semple, but were you guys drinking over there? Like you're, you're going a you're going a guaranteed win night on Friday. You you did watch the last time the ice came in here and won seven, nothing like what, what kind of the good stuff did you guys get into there in the beer fridge? Well, you know, I'm going to be honest with you that that all had to come after the, the, uh, the arrangements were, were finalized and the agreements between the teams, uh, you know, had uh, pen had been put to paper, but uh, I'm, I'm going to give full credit where credit was due. Sean tabled the idea of a guaranteed win night, and I'm going to be completely frank with you. I had that idea behind my lips, and I wasn't saying it with the coaching staff in the room, and I wasn't saying it to my ownership. But at the time Sean said it, I, you know, I, I, I put a few other things out, and again, uh, ideas out. And again, we, we really thought it was a win-win-win, and a win for the fans, because, of course, our team has a lot on the line already. There, there was no doubt that there's no additional pressure on the team to win because we have pressure on ourselves to, to win and get that, as I said, the, the potential playoff matchup uh, locked in. So, you know, our, our fans have been loyal to us all year, both our season ticket fans and, and our occasional fans. We wanted to, to, to take the opportunity to, to put that out there as a potential situation where uh, we invite all of the uh, people p- purchasing a ticket for Friday night back into the Brand Center for next season. Should we come up short? That being said, we're going into wins, so uh, yeah. there wasn't a lot at risk. Well, no, and absolutely, and I think you know uh, Winnipeg's got 107 points. Edmonton's got 100 last I saw, so they can't really go up and down on the standing. So I'm interested to see what they ice. I know, like you said, this could be a potential playoff series. So maybe they want to send a statement, or maybe they don't want you to be in the playoffs so they can knock you out and and, and eliminate you. So there's that angle. But uh, yeah, they're coming in here. You guys, I think probably have to win. You have to get a minimum of three points, I would say, but comfortably four points, two wins two nice wins here would uh, would do it for you and i don't think that's out of the realm of possibility if you guys can get some decent goaltending but the other interesting angle is this Connor bedard's going after number 50 and if he gets you know if you're going to get to the playoffs trevor it's no secret he's probably going to have to get 50 and beyond in fact i'm predicting he's going to end up with 52 by the end of the weekend he sits at 49 but if he gets 50 as i'm sure you're aware He'll be the youngest player ever in the Western Hockey League to hit 50 goals. That is a quite an accomplishment. Definitely is the best junior hockey player in the world right now. So if anything, go watch Connor Bedard chase a, a, an unbelievable record. 
you hit the nail on the head, Ballsy. You know that, and that is part of the the Christmas in July in terms of gifts for the organization here and the fans. Right? This uh, this could be a historic moment to see the youngest player ever to uh, score 50 goals in the history of the the WHL as a league. And um, you know, Winnipeg doesn't really want to be on the other side of that. But as you said, 50 50 isn't the ceiling. 50 is just the next the next step here. So we're looking for. Uh, for all the team to step up and, and, and we're excited to have our fans be able to celebrate that moment uh, in the Brand Centre right here at home as the visitors, but at home uh, when when Connor sets that I, mark. So I, I, absolutely. I'll tell, tell you what, Trevor, now I'd love to see the Pats get a new rink because news new and it's nice, but that is a great junior rink. It really is a lot of memories in that building. Uh, going back, I remember 1984 is at the beach ball playoff game between the Pats and the Kamloops Blazers with Dale Durkatch and the gang. Of course, the 2001 Memorial Cup, the more recent Memorial Cup uh, that was kicked off with the Eagles concert and the whole week that was, was there. Uh, I mean, there's so many great memories in that building so it is fitting that that you know maybe bedard can add to that memory list but it is a great rink there's not a bad seat in the house with that big score clock now and and how you guys incorporate you know the kiss cam and all that stuff with it i i think it's going to be a great great weekend of hockey and regardless if you make the playoffs or not depending you know this first game could set a a nice momentum kind of weekend for the hockey team in terms of a playoff like feel Absolutely, and, and we are looking. Um, we're looking to to fill that building with our fans on Friday night. So uh, we invite everyone out again, as you said, guarantee win night. Uh, so how does that work? Noon. So how does this work? Yeah, tell us how it works, Trevor. Sorry for cutting you off. How does it how does it work for the guaranteed win situation? For sure. So we're we're going to keep this very simple for the fans in attendance. Everyone who has purchased a ticket and is in attendance will receive a voucher at the end of the game upon uh, upon uh, leaving the Brand Centre. Each person will receive a, a, a complimentary or free silver ticket voucher that they can redeem starting next fall for any regular season home game. Now, we do have a few stipulations. It's got to be based on avail- availability when, when someone comes uh, to our office or at the box office next fall. It'll be based on avail- availability at the time of, of redemption. However, if you can't get into one game, you can, you yeah. can, you can redeem that for another. And it's, it, it's that simple. We're going to keep it very simple. We're not going to go by category, whatever, of tickets purchased. We're just going to provide everyone with a silver ticket for, for next year. And, uh, yeah, and all, you know, in, or, in order to get that or in order to get that, the Pats obviously need to come up on the short end, which, again, we're hoping is not the case. But everyone is uh, – season ticket holders now have the option to buy their tickets as of today, and everyone else is welcome to uh, start looking at the ticket availability tomorrow at noon for both the Friday night game, the Saturday night game, and, of course, our regular – season finale matchup for Sunday at 4 p.m. And all those games will be right here in your voice of Pat's Hockey as we have been for a long time. 620 CKRM with Dante DeCaria. Uh, Mr. Bunai, thank you very much for your time and tell Semple to send me over a case of whatever he was drinking because I want some of it. Maybe we can celebrate <laughs> We can celebrate the big Friday victory because uh, it'd be sure nice if you could pull it off. Thanks for your time. Have a great afternoon. Thanks. Uh, Merry Christmas. Drive safe. Talk to you later. <laughs> Take care. That's good. Trevor <laughs> Bunai joining us, the COO of your Regina Pats. We'll have more sports talk in a moment. This is the Sports Cage for uh, Sports Cage. Pardon me for Spreads.ca on six twenty CKRM. 
We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. And welcome back. It's brought to you by Spreads.ca. Sign up using the code CKRM and get 15 free spins on the slot machine for a chance to win $1 million. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. And our text line is powered by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac, Saskatchewan's number one GM dealership. You can text us 936-6262. A reminder, we will have a show on on Good Friday, yes, we are your source for sports. We're not taking Easter off. I'll be here in the chair on Friday afternoon with a, a great show lined up. All right, let's get to some sports. Uh, we were talking about Clayton Kershaw in case you missed it. He went seven perfect innings of baseball, struck out 13, 80 pitches, but his Dodgers manager, Dave Roberts, said, nope, you're out. We got a long season ahead, so a perfect game off the table. He said it was the right decision, did Clayton Kershaw, but you know as a competitor, he would have loved to uh, finish that one out. And maybe had he been in Los Angeles in a warmer uh, climate, they would have done that, but they were playing a cold weather kind of game in Minnesota. Too many baseball games, way too many. They shouldn't start till May, June, when it's actually baseball season. Guys are wearing mitts and stuff. It's goofy, too. I know why they do it. You see where their oven mitts when they're running up and down the bases on the base paths? The one guy on the uh, Padres, Kim, he wears two oven mitts. He's got like, it's like he's going to pull some tater totters out of the old oven there. Um, what else can we tell you about? NHL tonight, we've got uh, the Canadians at Columbus, Rangers at Philly, Kings travel to Avalanche. They're trying to keep their playoff hopes in check. Uh, they've kind of been teetering a little bit here. And the crack in a Jets, much like the ice and the Pats, postponed due to the weather. Uh, back to Major League Baseball. Jays are 3-2. and two. They're taking on the 3-2 and two Yankees in the Bronx. They opened with a 3 nothing win and then lost 4 nothing to the Yankees. So we'll see how they do here uh, tonight. Some games already done. Chicago falls to Pittsburgh 6-2. Mets over the Phillies 9-6. Boston beat Detroit 9-7. Washington over Atlanta by a count of 3-1 as the uh, Braves are stumbling this year after winning that World Series. Cleveland Guardians knocked off Cincinnati for the second straight day 7 to three and uh, my Padres fall for the second straight day this time uh, to San Francisco two to one actually yesterday Alyssa Nacken broke another historic barrier she became the first woman to coach on the field in a major league game in the Giants 13 to two win over the uh, Padres at Oracle Park Padres were kind of pissed too because they're up big time and, and and the Giants were bunting even though they were up by like 10 runs kind of bush league there how about the sjhl championship it's set we got the way north Flin flon bombers against the way south estevan bruins the bombers will be spending a good chunk of the next month plus in estevan as they did advance to the final with a one nothing win over humboldt beating out the league's second seeded team in just five games moving on to the championship against first place estevan and with estevan hosting the centennial cup both of those teams are assured of a place in the uh, SJHL uh, final, obviously, and in the uh, Centennial Cup. So there you go. It was the second one nothing win for the Bombers in their last three games, meaning goalie Cal Shell was a massive part of the series win. 37 save shutout in Game 5. He allowed just six goals in five semifinal games, stopping 171 of 177 shots that he faced for a 1.15 GAA and a 966 save percentage. 
So you think, okay, well, the other goalie, I mean, what did he do? Well, what did he do? His name is Race Ramsey of Humboldt. He never allowed more than three goals in a game in the series. In fact, he only gave up three once. An empty net goal in game one, and the only other time he gave up three was in overtime. He allowed two goals twice. He had a 1.75 goals against average and a 948 save percentage. That that series may have featured the best goaltending that you could ever find in any series in hockey. And uh, this kind of slipped under the radar yesterday, but I wanted to circle around to it. The Hamilton Tiger Cats have promoted Tommy Condell to offensive coordinator. Uh, well, he's offensive coordinator, but they promoted him to assistant head coach and quarterbacks coach as well. And Mark Washington is the D coordinator and assistant head coach. Both veteran assistants have also signed contract extensions with the club through 2023. Ty Cats have a great staff with Orlando Steinauer leading the way and then I'd put the Bombers and Riders right there in terms of coaching staffs, in terms of head coach and coordinators. you got Mike O'Shea, two-time defending Grey Cup champ, as the head coach. Richie Hall, friend of the show, D coordinator. And Buck Pierce, the offensive coordinator. Then, of course, here in Saskatchewan, the great Craig Dickinson, outstanding GM Jeremy O'Day, and Jason Shivers, who you got to think is one of those coordinators in waiting for a job as a head coach down the line. So some of the sports going on today. Uh, we will keep you updated as the day progresses. We got a great show lined up for you coming up here on the other side of the break. It's another round of Peter's Puck with Peter Lubardius. And before five o'clock, we got a pick six. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Michael Ball in the big chair, wherever you're listening today. Thanks for making us part of your day. Be safe out there. We got uh, spring snowmageddon on the old uh, prairies here, blowing across southeastern Saskatchewan into Manitoba, down through North Dakota and Montana. So uh, travel not recommended, not advised. Many highways shut down. So uh, just, hey, sit inside, watch some baseball, watch some hockey. And uh, there you go. Hey, um, joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline now for his weekly Peter's Puck segment. It's Peter Labardius from the Calgary Fl- uh, Flames Radio Network. Uh, Pete, I just went through some stats on that SJHL semifinal. I know you didn't watch it or anything, but Flynn Flon and Humboldt, the one goalie shell for Flynn Flon had a 966 save percentage, and the other goalie, uh, uh, Race Royce uh, for the... Um, Humble Broncos, he had a 948 save percentage. I don't know that you'll find better goaltending. Oh, my goodness. Four games to one, right? Flynn Flynn yes. wins. Yeah. Play at Stevan in the uh, title series, which also means that Flynn Flynn will participate in the uh, upcoming Centennial Cup. I, I imagine this is with better goaltending than that. Oh. I was taking... A little peek at uh, the road Centennial Cup in the last couple of days. In fact, to uh, keep things. Tell you but, what, uh, Pete, 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 we're going to Pete, 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 we're, Pete, 
Pete, we're going to try to call you back because you're breaking up. So I'll let uh, I'll let my uh, operator, Colson, call you back so we can get a clean signal here because I want to have a great Peter's Puck segment here. So we'll just uh, call him back and we'll get his thoughts on that again. Yeah, the Calgary Flames, though, speaking of the Flames, Johnny Goudreau became a 100-point club member yesterday. Connor McDavid leads the way with 108 points. Jonathan Huberto from Florida at 105. Leon Dreisaitl, or as my daughter says, dry salad at 102. And then you got uh, Goudreau, who got an assist on the empty netter by Kachuk, one of his three on the day, and 101 points for him now on the season. Give me one second here. Try to clear my throat. But yeah, so uh, Johnny Hockey now, a part of the 100-point club. And I gotta, you got to color me shocked here. I didn't know that he'd last the whole season in Calgary. But Daryl Sutter is coming there. Uh, really emphasized him getting in on the four check when he gets the puck. When you have the puck, that means you can set up people more. And uh, yeah, so Johnny Goudreau, the 100-point club. We'll get to that with Peter Lubardius in a second. But Peter, just finish your thoughts on that SJHL talk. And I got the kid's name wrong, and I shouldn't. Race Ramsey, the goalie for Humboldt. 948 save percentage, a 1.75 GAA. And he was the losing goalie. The winning goalie had a 1.15 GAA and a 966 save percentage. That's that's shoot-the-windboard stuff. Yeah, that's... Uh... <laughs> That's unbelievable. I was just trying to mention, and hopefully the feed ends up being okay. It's always a bit of an issue when I do it in the basement, but that's where <laughs> I am. So, um, but, yeah, just in, incredible goaltending. Congratulations to both those teams. And I'm wondering um, if Race Ramsey is related um to the Ramsey that used to play in the Western Hockey League that ended up in um, Vancouver with the Giants. And if it is, his dad, Chris, mm-hmm. um, is someone that I know well from Saskatoon, uh, going way, way back. Uh, or it could even be uh, Uncle, uh, his brother, Wes, who I uh, used to go to high school with and play baseball against dude do you ever sit back do you ever sit and i'm looking into that while we talk here do you ever sit yeah. back and think about all the all the relationships you got just like six degrees of separation you know this guy through that guy and this guy through that guy and that guy through this guy it's amazing how your network spreads uh just in the world of hockey alone but well, i mean you know what it's like being around you know sports your whole life that's it's kind of way the way it goes and um I, I think what's even more amazing sometimes is that are you any more ever any more than two or three degrees of separation away from anybody when you come from saskatchewan that's true it, it's odd that way it really you know i mean i by and large live in calgary and i think there's about close to three hundred thousand people here who are originally from saskatchewan so but no it's yeah, you know what it means, though. Really, <laughs> means I'm old. Wow, it's great. It's great, and and you know what? You were a voice of the Regina Pats. So you saw a lot of great memories in that rank. Uh, I have my I have my own calling uh, on the spur of the moment when Rod Peterson got uh, laryngitis. I had a call 
the Memorial Cup and I was only like five years into the business and I had to call like four or five games uh, in the week. Um, so that was 2001, the most recent one that they hosted. And the year before that, they went on a nice run. I was at the 84 beach ball game. Kamloops uh, Junior Oilers and the uh, Pats were playing. That was the dirt catch years. So I've had my own memories. But this weekend... You know, the weather sucks for a lot of people, but it doesn't for the Pats. We just had their CAO, COO on, and we were talking about how they're going to host back-to-back games against the Winnipeg Ice with the playoffs on the line. And Connor Bedard is one goal away from scoring 50. He would be the youngest player ever to accomplish that in Western Hockey League history. That is yeah. a memory for the ages. Yeah, it is a memory for the ages, and... I was wondering how long it would take for the previous record to be broken because the previous record by a former Regina Pat by the name of Jeff Friesen, mm-hmm. and I was the voice of the team in the season 92-93 when he ended up with 45 goals and 83 points, and it has lasted as a true 16-year-old until that time in the Western Hockey League. And by the way, um, for those who don't remember, Jeff also had 17 more points in three rounds of the Western Hockey League playoffs, including a six-point night in a 7-6 overtime victory in Game 4 in Lethbridge in Round 1 to end the series when Trevor Hannis, who has two very, very good hockey-playing sons, including um, Cross, Mm-hmm. Um, who's tearing it up in Portland, uh, scored the game winner. And a so, nephew and a nephew that plays for the Montreal Canadiens, right? Clegg is his nephew, I believe. Yes, Kale Clegg, absolutely, whose um, dad, Jason, was a very good goalie in the league. So, yeah, on the topic of uh, no degrees of separation. Yeah, there you go. Hey, Johnny Goudreau's in the 100-point club. Color me shocked. Not that he got 100 points. That he got 100 points with the Calgary Flames. I really thought this guy was not going to stay in the picture with Calgary. Uh, you're closer to it than me. But are you shocked, A, that he got 100? A, that he got 100 in a Calgary Flames uniform? This kid is having a great year, man. 101 points now. No. Um, am I shocked? I'd say surprised. Johnny, to his credit, um, had two pretty tough years back-to-back. And... This year has applied himself very differently. He's been a much different player away from the puck. I mean, you know, to imagine that he has 101 points and he's plus 56. So um, he has bought in completely to doing it differently. He's had incredible success. You know, I've, I've watched every single game of his NHL career outside of a few when I was ill five or six years ago, and he's never been better. So, and I would say that, here's the interesting thing for me, and I've said this a lot, Michael, on our own radio station here in Calgary. If he only had 80 points, I'd feel exactly the same way. I really would. It's For me, it's how he's playing, how impactful he's been, and how consistent he has been and and needless to say it doesn't as I mentioned before it doesn't hurt to play with Elias Lindholm in particular and and Matthew Kachuk who is now all of a sudden over the 90 point plateau himself. I think you brought this up 
Uh, I talk to so many people in a week. Sometimes the the interviews blend in. You're, well, you're, you're only doing six shows a day. What yeah, are you talking about? Yeah, okay. So, but I think you said this. Correct me if I'm wrong. Patrice Bergeron, you've compared Lindholm to a Bergeron, did you not? And yeah. if and and oh, if yeah. yeah, you did. Um, do you honestly see a lot of uh, his game or Bergeron's game in his? No, no question. Absolutely no question. And and never more than now. Um, you know, he has 70-plus points himself. He's plus 54. The amount of heavy lifting that he does on that line in particular, um, you know, he scored goals at an unbelievable rate. He's at, I think, 36 now, and he has, like, 23 of them in the last 32 games. He is truly as smart a player as I've had a chance to watch in the NHL on a day-to-day basis. I'm not saying overall. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about on a day-to-day basis. When coaches tell you that when they show video clips that he is almost never on the wrong side of clips, that it's his clips that you show others, tell you that he's got a little something-something going on. And and that's rarefied error when you talk about Patrice Bergeron. Yeah. But at but at twenty but at twenty seven, um, he's he's right in that echelon for me. Okay, Peter Lubardi is joining us here for his Peter's Puck segment, color commentator on the Calgary Flames Radio Network. Nobody knows hockey like this guy. So McDavid's got one hundred and eight. Drysaddle's got one hundred and two. Johnny Hockey's got one hundred and one. The other guy I didn't mention is Huberto from Florida, who doesn't nearly, in my opinion, maybe I'm wrong, he doesn't get the love that he should. This guy, because he plays in Florida where they don't really care, um, people forget about him. But what a, I've watched a couple Panthers games. What a wonderful hockey player he is. Yeah, he's been a wonderful hockey player, to be honest. Not at this level, but for a long time. And, you know, I had a great opportunity back in my former gig to call the Memorial Cup for eight years in a row. And, in fact, um, the last one I did was 2011 when he and the St. John Sea Dogs um, beat Toronto St. Michael's Majors in the title game in Mississauga. Um, you know, he had 30-plus points in the playoffs. He was an MVP. Just, just so smart. And, and the thing about Jonathan, an unbelievable competitor and just another one of those guys that, you know, when the lights are the brightest, he seems to be at his best. And, you know, it, it, it took him a little while to get into this neighborhood, but he is, he's an exceptional talent. He's a very driven guy. And unless he's changed, I haven't spent much time with him for quite some time, but even early into his pro days, um, you know, just just a fine, fine, well-grounded person. He's a well. He would have been on Canada's Olympic team for absolute sure. There would have been no doubt about that. So uh, the last guy to get sixty goals in an NHL season was Steven Stamkos, two thousand and eleven, two thousand and twelve. Ovi got it in 07-08. He's a, he's on a tear too. He scored in his fourth consecutive game, giving him forty six. But Austin Matthews is fifty eight goals. What do you like about? What you see from his play, watching him play this year? Everything. I think his two-way game has improved greatly. But, Michael, I'm not, I'm not sure anybody releases the puck much better in the sport than he does. And, and the neat thing about him is, you know, guys can shoot it. And a lot of guys can shoot it. 
but his ability to change angles when he shoots the puck, how deceptive he is. And, you know, most of the time guys can't shoot pucks really well from in tight or in their feet. This guy, this guy absolutely launches it from anywhere and does such a good job disguising how he shoots it. Like I said, changing angles. I mean, he's a, he's a massive guy. Uh, he's an unbelievable talent and he just, I think he's probably going to score 50 if he's healthy every single year that he plays. Can he get to 70? No. Interesting, because check this out. Only eight players have scored 70-plus goals in the NHL. Now, Gretzky did it a couple of times. I think four times or something stupid. Gretzky? Phil Esposito. Yeah, okay. See, see, tell me if you can get all eight, because I barely got all eight. So you got two there, Phil and Gretzky. Yeah, Brett Hall at 86 one year. Yeah. So that's and that's over seven. Yeah, that's three. Um, who you did said eight? There's eight guys who've had seventy plus. Did, now, 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 did who we, did we say Mario yet? No, there's Mario. You're right. This other guy, he uh, he uh, infamously shot his glove out of the air after he scored. Oh yeah, Solani in his rookie year, he had seventy six. Right. So that's five. You got to give me three more. No, one guy, one guy, one guy played for the Kings mostly, but then the Rangers and the Oilers. Bernie, oh, Bernie Nichols. Bernie Nichols. That's right. That's six. He yeah. got one guy. One guy. If it was, if it was Gretzky, who was he passing the puck to? Yeah, Curry. Yeah. Yep. Okay, and then one more who I think might be one of the most underrated superstars in the Mike hit. Gartner? No, not Mike Gartner. He was close. No, this guy played, uh, you remember him from the Vancouver Canucks, but more from the Buffalo Sabres days. He did it in 88-89, I believe. Oh, Alex McGillney. Yes. They're the only eight players to have 70-plus goals in NHL history. Yeah, it's crazy stuff. You don't think Matt? You don't think Matthews can get the seventy? Not this year, no. No. Do you he'll think be he? Close. Do you think he ever will? Sixty-five, I think. Yeah, sixty-five. Sixty-five. He'll tie Ovi. Yeah. How about how about Ovi? Isn't that great? Like that guy. I, I didn't like him at the start. I, I take his political stuff aside. I didn't like him at the start, but he's turned into a real nice player to watch. Like he he and I love how he gets so excited for his teammates more than when he scores. No, he's. Uh... The one thing I've admired since I started watching him um, at the World Junior in 2003 was, is just his passion for the sport. He, the one thing, he, he's arguably the greatest goal scorer. You know, it's hard to compare eras, um, but as good as we've seen, and he does it year in and year out, he's as powerful, put the puck still to this day, right through you but i i've always really admired more than anything about him his incredible passion to play the sport and i think it's a big reason why you know he's been able to do some of the things i mean the other is just ridiculous power and skill and Mm -hmm. you know and the crazy thing is i i I had a great chat with a former coach on the weekend while watching the max tournament and um Guess what? It's not like every team that prepares for Washington doesn't know where he's going to get <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. They want to get it to him. 
and he still gets 50 every year. Unreal. Hey, uh, Pete, this has been fun. I love talking to you. We'll catch up with you soon, okay? Okay, sounds good. Be well. Another edition of Peter's Puck. The color commentator on the Flames Radio Network, the great Peter Lubardius, our own Greek freak, as it were. Uh, when we come back, a pick six. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Forever 306. This is Saskatchewan's favorite talk show, The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Time now for another pick six, and let's start with some baseball. Heading into today's action, Stephen Kwan was making Major League history in his rookie season. On Tuesday, the historic run spoiled the day of pageantry for the Reds. The Guardians outfielder reached base three more times and made a key play in the outfield as the Guardians erupted for six runs in the ninth to win their third straight 10-5 in Cincinnati's home opener at the Great American Ballpark. Cleveland's fifth-round pick out of Oregon State from the 2018 draft has yet to swing and miss at the plate through his first five games at the MLB level. In fact, Quan hasn't struck out since September 26, 2021 with AAA Columbus. That's a span of 76 plate appearances between strikeouts. In reaching base three more times on Tuesday, Quan, heading into today's action, had reached base 18 times in his first five games, surpassing the old record of 17 set by Cincinnati's Jay Bruce back in 2008. Number two in the pick six, congratulations to Regina-born quarterback Mike Beaudry, the six foot five, 245 pound pivot who lived here until the age of nine, played 11 games for the Idaho Vandals in 2021 and completed 64.2% of his passes for just under 1,300 yards with four touchdowns and six interceptions. He also rushed 27 times for 68 yards. He joined us on the sports cage last week. You know, traditionally I would say I'm a pocket passer, but I think I do a very good job at, at moving the chains when I need to and running the ball. I think I'm faster than a lot of people think. Um, I'm a big guy, so I can take take the contact, take the hits. I'm not worried about that. Um, you know, passing is always my my, uh, my first priority, but I think when it comes down to it, I can, I can be an athlete and make something happen. He's the seventh arm coming to Edmonton Elks camp. Number three on the pick six. Albert Pujols hit a homer in his return to the cards. It had been 3,855 days since Pujols homered at Bush Stadium as a member of the Cardinals, but some things never change, like the swing, the sound, and the results. It was homer 680 for Pujols, and he has hit the most home runs in terms of active Major League Baseball players at 680. Number two, Miguel Cabrera. Number three, Nelson Cruz. Number four, Giancarlo Stanton. Number five, Robinson Cano. It's been an interesting stretch for Pujols. He and his wife Deidre had been married for 20 years, but they announced they're getting a divorce just days after she had brain surgery to remove a tumor. All I would say about that, bad timing, Albert. Number four in the pick six, Austin Matthews has 58 goals. Alex Ovechkin scored in his fourth straight game. He's got 46. Last guy to get to 60 NHL goals in a season was Steven Stamkos in 2011-2012. Ovi got 65 in 07-08. Only eight players have ever scored 70-plus goals. Can you name them? Well, we know Wayne Gretzky, Lemieux, Bernie Nichols, who played with the Kings, Oilers, and Rangers, Tamu Solani, Phil Esposito, Yari Curry, Gretzky's running mate, Alexander Mogilny, who's an underrated superstar, 
and of course, Brett Hall, my favorite, my favorite Brett Hall story. He's doing fitness testing for the St. Louis Blues, and they're testing flexibility, and he can only raise his arms so high. And the trainer goes, "Is that as high as you can raise your arms?" And he goes, "Yep." And I do it between 75 and 80 times a season. <laughs> That's great. Hey, check this out. Lululemon workout clothes, you know they're not cheap. Well, they've announced an exciting new opportunity. You can save money by purchasing used clothing that some stranger's already done like 150 yoga sessions in. Over the past year, they've tested a resale program for used clothing. And now they're expanding it to all their stores and online. I'm assuming it's going to be in Regina here as well. So here's how it works. They're offering to buy back used products in exchange for Lululemon store credit. The money you get varies based on what you turn in and the condition of those items. Now expect to get around 5% of the purchase price. So roughly 5 bucks for tank tops, shirts and shorts, $10 for hoodies, sweatshirts and pants, $25 for coats and jackets. They're not accepting swimsuits or undergarments. Now, the secondhand items will be thoroughly inspected and cleaned before they're resold, and they'll be graded as either good as new or gently used. The prices for used items will depend on condition, but don't expect steep discounts. Most of the used stuff on their website is still less than 50% off the new price. That's crazy. So, like, what's the deal? Are they facing supply chain issues and therefore a lack of product? Do they even realize their stuff is overpriced? And I'll tell you this right now. I am not wearing used Lululemon clothing unless it comes from Ryan Reynolds, Katy Perry, Carrie Underwood, Shania Twain. That's it. Forget it. I am not. Now, if I get into their Lululemon, <laughs> I'm never washing it again. And number six on the pick six has nothing to do with working out or sports. Although after you have Easter candy, you probably should work out. The average person, they say, discovers their favorite candy at the age of 11. But what exactly is a good piece of candy? Well, here at the Sports Cage, we have the answer. Here are the top things that make the perfect piece of candy. It masks the stench of booze. It's fun to suck on. <laughs> you went there, bro, not me. It's located in the section of the store labeled edibles. Another thing that makes a perfect piece of candy. It keeps its flavor more than three seconds, which unfortunately rules out those sweet and sour gums that you find at every rink in Regina. And the top thing that makes something a perfect piece of candy, it's not black licorice. Yuck, ugh, it's gross. If you eat black licorice, you eat body parts too. I'm sorry, but that's just the way that it is. We'll be back with more of the Sports Cage, brought to you by our friends at spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. Time to talk NHL. Now back to your favorite sports talk show, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Michael Ball in the chair. Thanks for <clears throat> tuning in to the show, brought to you by spreads.ca. And uh, they got a great deal right now going on at spreads.ca. If I can get to it in my paper here. Lots of sponsors getting out of the show here. Uh, sign up using the code CKRM and you'll receive a free $25 sports bet. We'll be talking NHL in about a half an hour with Farhan Lalji. I'm going to ask him, has Bruce Boudreaux done enough to be the head coach of the Vancouver Canucks? 
going forward. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. And uh, yeah, let's head out on the Western Pizza Hotline right now. And we're going to talk with running back for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Jamal Morrow. How are you today, Jamal? How's it going, man? I'm enjoying it. How are, you? How are you? I'm doing great. Now, where do I find you today? Where are you? So I'm in uh, Manatee, California, so about Southern California, about an hour north of San Diego, hour and a half west of our, uh, east of L.A. Okay, so you're, uh, what's the weather like there? Like, what's the temperature? I mean, I was listening to the reports. I'm like, yeah, there's nothing close. So we got about, it's like 70 degrees uh, Fahrenheit here, so... Yeah. I don't know what that is compared to Celsius. About 20, definitely, uh, 22. 22 Celsius. Put it to you this way. It's a lot better. It feels like January 13th here, and it's hard to believe the training camp is like 30-some days away. Has it hit you the training? I was looking at it. I was like, that is insane. I'm, I'm actually kind of nervous. I'm like, hopefully, you know, hopefully some warmth comes up by the time training camp is. Yeah, it'll be fine. This is a, this is what we call white rain around here. It'll it'll melt right away. It'll get everything going green. Help our farmers out, and they'll be in a good mood to buy uh, rider memorabilia and tickets because we got a big year in store. Are you nervous to come in with a little bit of the focus on you now? Because I mean, you hung around camp and you showed a lot of patience being on the practice roster. Finally got your chance. I don't think no. I, hey, listen, I'm friends with Dicky, and I I uh, respect the coaches. They. They're professional coaches. I'm not. I thought maybe you should have got more playing time than you did. But now that William Powell's not here, is Jamal Morrow a little more nervous going into this training camp? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say nervous. It's just another opportunity that I've been waiting to have, you know. And um, you know, even even you know, going from last year, you know, talking to having talked to you know William uh, Willie P. He's telling me like, you know what, hey, your opportunity's coming soon, and when it comes, they'll be prepared. So. You know, I've been preparing my whole this whole off season, like you know, going in, you know, ready to take every single snap. So I'm excited and to get ready to rock and you know, and uh, you know, we got Ryder Mason behind behind us, and so we're, I'm ready to go. In limited carries, you had like about a 4.58 uh, yard average running the ball, which is good. In the CFL, with only uh, two downs on offense, if you don't go for it on third down, that's halfway to a first down. Uh, what I like about maybe your game is the opportunity to rip off some longer runs. I didn't, you know, Powell's a great running back. Don't get me wrong. Good balance, good vision. Uh, I just felt that at times we didn't have that breakaway run, the 20, the 30-yard run that could flip a field, kind of like a Kadeem Carey can do in Calgary or Stanbeck. Two different maybe runners in terms of body style than you, but uh, what do you think you'll be able to bring to the table? Will it be that home run hitting ability? Absolutely. I mean, that's what I that's my what I model my game after. You know, I want to be able to be the person. You know, any any time I touch the ball, there's an opportunity for us. You know, to take advantage and it's a big play. So I've always had that. You know, in my game, and I'm super excited. You know, to have this opportunity and just ready, just, just ready to go. Honestly, I'm just ready to go. You know, opportunities like this don't come. Too often, so you know, you know, it's all about just you know preparation. I'm getting the body best shape as possible, and I'll be you know by the time camp comes, I'm ready to rock. So when you put a receiver back to return punts or kickoffs, it's a little different for them because a lot of times they're out in space. They're in a waggle in the CFL from the slot, or they're as a wide receiver in a stationary position. So they're not in a maze of bodies. So it's it's actually kind of a nice transition to see a guy like you go from you know a kickoff returner slash punt returner to running back. There's not much of a difference there in terms of uh, you know 
know, you get more of a run-up, I guess, in the return situation, but you're still going through a maze of players. So that's kind of an easy transition for you. Exactly. And I think that's what helped me a lot. I mean, going in from going from last team is, you know, being a running back, you, like you said, you're, you're constantly in a, in a whole bunch of bodies, a whole bunch of bodies around. So having that transition is to go from that, you know, to running back, and it just, it just kind of like it all flows into itself. And so that's what kind of made it, you know, that transition kind of easier to getting adjusted, you know, the, the different speed. But after that, you know, it's just, it was just being a running back and getting an open field and space. I think it's kind of neat too. You're you're not on the bigger side, so some people will say, "Well, is he is he durable enough? Can he handle the load?" I don't think we're in a situation in this league now, or in any football league, where in a lot of times you have one big bell cow. You got a bunch of Swiss Army knives, or you got a big back, or you got a small back. I know they added they added a Shaq Cooper to the roster too, who brings some veteran presence, kind of almost built like you a little bit. So who knows who else they bring to training camp, but. It's not traditionally just turn the ball and hand it off to the guy or give him a, a toss, you know, a pitch back out of the backfield. Uh, you know, you can look at a running play as a swing pass out of the backfield too, almost like an extended handoff. Right, yeah. And, I mean, that's what I'm super excited about, you know, this whole opportunity because, I mean, I know, like you said, with the game changing now, you know, especially at the running back position, it's not just, like you said, going back every down. There's a, every down you're going to have a – Every then you get you have to go you turn the ball you know have to take hits and all that stuff it's it's different it's, it's spreading the ball out and so I'm definitely super excited just for this whole opportunity you know I know what I can bring especially with in, in the CFL so I'm just super excited just to you know take advantage of this opportunity so Jamal what does your off season workout look like in terms of getting ready for the season maybe take the uh, maybe take the fans onto the training field with you in the off season here. Oh yeah, absolutely. Actually, it was actually it was cool because I was actually I moved to Dallas for a little bit for a couple of weeks to train with one of my buddies. But it was up. We'd wake up in the morning. I would eat my breakfast, go to the go to the field. Depending on what day it is, either we're running hills or we're you know we're on the field doing field work, and you know just kind of are doing conditioning stuff. And right after that, we go straight to the lift. And you know this all season, I knew like what the, the position I was going to be in, so I wanted to get my body physically in shape. You know to take hits and you know, being able to, you know, when it's fourth fourth quarter ready to, you know, continue to be fresh and break out big runs. So that's what, like, my main focus was. And so after that, you know, stretch, hit a couple of yoga sessions a week, and yeah. Hmm. So, so, so I'm super excited. Actually, bringing up that's funny because I'm, I'm, I'm actually making some YouTube stuff ready to kind of show what, you know, the day in the life of what, you know, what we did this whole offseason. So I'm super excited to say that with the fans as well. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I like that. And I like the, I think the league needs more of that, more uh, interaction with its stars and market its stars better. Do you kind of see an opportunity here? You, you've you used the word opportunity three, four times in this interview already, and I'm not making fun of you, but I think that's a key word. Like, you come to Saskatchewan, you, yeah. you come to Saskatchewan, opportunity knocks, you answer the door. If you can... You can uh, make things happen in return game uh, as a receiver out of the backfield, as kind of one of those change of pace backs with a nice attitude that you have and uh, being personable. You could, uh, you know, you could turn yourself into a little bit of a local star here. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's definitely, I mean, we'll let that just handle itself out. But, you know, like my, my goal is, you know, to take care of, take care of body, to take care of on the field and all that other stuff. It all, it all comes. You know, whether it comes or not, you know, my job is focus on the field.
Yeah, but 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 here's where I'm going with this. Like, you look at Derek Moncrief. He's back with the Riders. He was with them. Then he went to the NFL. Then we had him on the show. He said, you know what? I'm content here. I'm married to Regina girl. I'm not telling you to get married, Jamal. I don't know your personal life. But what I'm getting at here is he's <laughs> he's back here. He loves Regina. He He's, he's uh, adopted the old big fish in a small pond. I think if more guys from the United States would be open to it they could find there's a world of opportunities here i've talked to lots of former guys when they go back to houston or whatever they're just you know i'm joe smith there but i come to regina i'm joe smith you know what i mean yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah. i mean i mean definitely i mean like i said i'm i'm, I'm definitely open to that you know and i see like, i see what monfrey's been doing and so i mean definitely a nice and i've heard multiple stories about that too actually talk, talking to some guys who actually did have came back and you know they say like they absolutely like, they love it there, you know. And it's just so I mean, I'm not I'm not opposed to that at all. I'll tell you that. Well, you 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 want to make some waves on the field and take care of business for sure. Now uh, you mentioned breakfast. What's a good breakfast for Jamal Morrow? Come on, let us know what what are you eating in the oh, morning? Yeah, I mean, I, I, it honestly depends. Like if I'm if it's a, a, a early morning, I'm I eat super light breakfast. Give me a banana, uh, some some peanut butter, and with some oatmeal, we'll call it a day. <laughs> but um, if, I'm, if it's like a, a brunch breakfast, oh, give me French toast. I want all the French toast in the world. Yeah. Give me my bacon, eggs, potatoes. I want the full, I want the full, full nine. Yeah. So it's Easter this weekend, buddy. And uh, there's a study out that said kids generally know what their favorite candy is by age 11. If I'm to ask Jamal Moore what his favorite candy is, uh, what what was it? What is it? Oh, favorite candy. Ooh, I'm a big candy person, too. Honestly, I've been, uh, it's like the Jolly Rancher gummies. Uh-huh. Uh, I feel like the, the duos, mm-hmm. it's like two Jolly Rancher flavors and one gummy, infused in one gummy, and I've, I've been killing those. So I, I, I got to keep myself away from it because it is literally so good. But, uh, <laughs> What's the worst? That would be my number one. What? Also, one thing I love about Easter is the jelly beans come around. So. Oh, I'm not a jelly bean guy. I, 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 the Starburst I, jelly beans, uh, that's my number one. Oh, I don't like jelly beans. I, especially, I'm not a big... I, for whatever reason, I can't choke down the black ones, and I can't have black licorice. Those are the candies I hate. How about you? Oh, no, 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 no. Now, I am against all those as well. Not at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a certain, it's just a certain one jelly bean I just like so much, and I just I can't stop, I can't stop, I just can't stop. I told my mom I was like, she was like, oh, you want anything for Halloween or uh, Chris or Easter? Easter? Yeah. I'm like, just bring the Starburst jelly beans, and I'll, I'll be good to go. Okay, so Marshawn Lynch used to eat Skittles on the sidelines when he scored touchdowns for the Seahawks. Should we? Should I have a bowl? Should I have like some sort of endorsement deal on the side here, Starburst jelly beans for you when you score a touchdown? I- now, now, now that I would not be opposed to right there. I'll take full advantage of that. <laughs> well, you tell you what, man, I'm going to try to hook you up. You promised to score me 10 touchdowns this year. I'll make sure I got 10 bowls of those things on the sidelines for you. That's, that's all I need to be saying. Let's do it then. Okay, man. Hey, uh, enjoy the warm weather, you lucky son of a gun, and we'll see you when you come to training camp in Saskatchewan, okay? Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having me on the show. That's Jamal Morrow, your running back for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. When we come back, we'll talk Saskatchewan Junior League hockey with our expert, a guy who's in the league, the head coach GM of the Weyburn Red Wings. That would be Cody Mapes as we'll talk about the SJHL semifinal that wrapped up, and it's going to be Flynn Flon and Estevan in the championship for the league and 
in the Centennial Cup. This is the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. Time to talk Saskatchewan Rush. Now back to your favorite sports talk show, The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. And this show is brought to you by Spreads.ca. Sign up using the code CKRM and get 15 free spins on the slot machine for a chance to win $1 million. Time to talk SJHL playoffs with our friend Cody Mapes, the head coach and GM of the Weyburn Red Wings, our SJHL analyst and expert. I'll tell you what, man, that was a goaltending series between Humboldt and Flynn Flon. And uh, Shell was better than race. What a great, great uh, semifinal that was in terms of goaltending. Yeah, no, definitely. You can't, uh, you can't fault either of those guys for any of the games. You know, it's uh, Ramsey gave his, gave Humboldt his, uh, you know, the best opportunity to win. And, uh, you know, we got two great, two games, I think, that ended up one nothing. You know, that series could have been, uh, could have been four one the other way too. If, if Humboldt could have found a way to get that offense going, but, uh, you know, yeah, Shell, Cal Shell since game three of the playoffs has been, has probably been the difference for that team. Has he played above what you'd expect from Cal Shell? Like, just check this out here. He allowed just six goals in five semifinal games, stopping 171 of 171 shots for a 1.15 goals against average and a save percentage of 966. Like, that's otherworldly. That's playing above your <laughs> that's playing above your skis. But is he a pretty good goalie normally? Yeah, no, he's definitely uh, he's definitely in the top half of the league for the starting goalies. Um, you know, Ramsey was was probably the best guy in the league throughout the regular season over the uh, you know the fifty eight game season. But um, you know, it's you kind of got to get hot at the right time, and Shell's obviously done that. Um, he's he is a he is a real good goalie, but I think uh, you kind of answered your own question when his save percentage is nine sixty, whatever it was. That's uh, that that's pretty impressive. You know, Humboldt's goalie, like you talked about, Race Ramsey, never allowed more than three goals in a game in the series. In fact, he only gave up three once. There was an empty net goal in game one, and the only time he gave up three was in overtime. So when you play that well, and you're the goalie that loses with, with stats like that, that's like he had a 948 save percentage. Yeah, it's, I, like I said, it, it's, it's shocking to me that, uh, you know, Humboldt's offense kind of, uh, stumbled a little bit because they, like I've talked about the whole time, they're loaded up and and uh, you know good on on Cal Shell to be able to handle it. Um, but that's if anybody would have said that race Ramsey was was nine fifty or nine forty eight, they I, I think everybody would have been putting their money on Humboldt to win no matter who they were playing. Is this an epic series we're uh, waiting for here? I mean, you got way north versus way south. The Bombers are going to be spending a good chunk of the next month plus in Esteban because uh, they'll get to go to the Centennial Cup regardless of how this uh, SJGL championship goes. And for that reason, could it be like a, a real fire wagon exciting? Because both teams are playing with house money here. Yeah, you know what? It's, it depends how you look at it. I mean, there's uh, Esteban has always known they're going to be in, but you know, there's something to be said for you want to you want to hang that SJHL banner. I mean, it's not I don't think you want to look at it in the sense of like, hey, we're going to uh, the Centennial Cup anyways. It's you know these teams could end up with one team could end up hanging nothing, and I think it's still about you know it's 
it's about uh, hanging a banner at this point right now, and and I don't think anybody wants to wants to go into it half-hearted, thinking that they've got a pass into the into the national tournament, uh, and you know maybe end up empty-handed with nothing at all. So uh, you know it's going to be a real good series. It's uh, over the last couple of weeks. It's probably it's the two best teams over the last couple of weeks anyway. So that's it's good to see uh, you know a couple teams get hot and. And uh, it'll be a it'll be a real good series. Be neat to see if Estevan can match Flynn Flon's home ice advantage. Like you know what I mean? Flynn Flon's got the older rink, but the fans show up. There eight thousand people live in the Flynn Flon area, and they show up there banging things, throwing moose legs. And you got Estevan, kind of a transient town, but they they heat up in terms of fan support when the playoffs get there, and they've got the nice rink. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's uh, Flynn Flon. Everybody knows what Flynn, Flo- Flynn Flon's all about. But when uh, when Esteban puts twenty five hundred people in that rink, it uh, it gets rocking pretty good. But uh, it'll be it'll be good to see. I think uh, Esteban's got to make sure they take care of uh, game one and two because as we've seen, if <laughs> if Flynn Flon can split on the road, they're they're tough to beat. So uh, Cody Mapes, when you look at this. Uh... When you look at this Flynn Flon Bombers team, it's not like you're going to Florida. Like I, I talked to Mike Reagan about this. It's hard to attract people to come up there. I know they got people from Alaska and Quebec, but it's tough to get people to come play in Flynn Flon. So how impressive is it as a rival coach to see a team their third trip to the final in the last five seasons? No, it's good. They've they've done a good job there. Um, you know, when you when you've had I guess winning breeds winning kind yeah. of thing. If if you win it's guys wanna come. If you have uh, you know, scholarships that you're putting out, guys wanna come, no matter where you are at uh I don't know if uh, a guy coming from Quebec would know the difference between Flin Flon or uh or Humboldt or or Waver wherever they are anyways. Mm-hmm. So I mean, uh, once they get there it might be a little shell shocked. But uh no, it's you know, if you have success with scholarships and have success with winning, it's it kind of helps breed itself a little bit and uh, you know, that's what they've done there over the last uh last ten years or so. How do you build it there under Cody Mapes now? Like how do you you know, you just said it. A guy from Quebec wouldn't know whether he's going to Weyburn or going to Flin Flon. Are, are do you look to those provinces? Where are you beating the bushes to find uh the players that are gonna, you know, solidify your tenure there in Weyburn? You know what, it's I think the biggest thing for us right now is to to make sure we're getting our guys scholarship looks, which we've done a great job of over the last uh, the last year here. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got probably four or five guys that we think over the next two years could be Division One players, and so that's going to help in itself. I mean, uh, next year being a year older, being able to return everybody, um, you know, that's gonna that's gonna help in the win column for sure. Uh, and as you as you start to do that stuff, it, it helps recruiting. Uh, a lot of the guys, a lot of the advisors and agents and that kind of stuff, as you get their their guys scholarships, they they want to send you more guys, and I think that's what that's what has helped you know Humboldt and and Flynn Flon a lot too is that you know they've they've got some good scholarships for guys and so when they've got when these advisors and stuff have a good a uh, good player kind of waiting in the wings they want to send them to a spot that they know that they're going to get every opportunity to play and 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 a coach that's going to help them get committed to good good division 1 schools so you know that's definitely the uh the process we're we're taking, and we've had some success with it. We'll uh, we'll see over the next probably eighteen months or so here if if we if it really has worked. But I think that we're definitely going the right way. So let's see if you're going to look at this final in red and white glasses, or uh, you can stomach uh, you know saying that Estevan will win the series. Do you think Estevan wins this series? Who's got this series? 
I think it's I think it's Estevan. I think it's Estevan in uh I think it's going to be quick actually, probably 5. Really? Do you think it's the fact that uh, they've had probably the easiest travel and the easiest path? Easy's maybe not the right word, but things have gone their way the first couple of series. They have, yeah, and I just think that uh they're the thing that probably was beneficial to Flin Flon in the Humboldt series is they were they were so much bigger and stronger than than Humboldt. Humboldt was a very skilled team. Well, now now they're going to play Estevan that is uh, full of major junior guys. They're big. They're strong. They can score. They're everything Humboldt was, but they're they're thirty pounds heavier and they're they're about six inches taller. So I mean they're uh, they're pretty good. And uh, you know it's. Goaltending could very well be the difference. If Cal Shell runs nine sixty, then it uh, the series might be four games the other way. But uh, I, I think that Estevan's going to have a little bit more success dealing with humble or with Flint Flon's size uh, and their defensemen there. So, as always, Cody, thanks for the insight, man. I appreciate it. Anytime, Ballsy. And it's time now for Pat Chat. The WHL announced today the rescheduling of two Western Hockey League regular season games between the Pats and the Winnipeg Ice. They were originally scheduled to visit the ice in Winnipeg for back-to-back games on Thursday and Friday of this week. But of course, the inclement weather in the Winnipeg and Manitoba area have now forced the games to be played at the Brandt Center. Friday at 7 o'clock our time and Saturday also at 7 o'clock. The games will still be heard right here on 620 CKRM but an interesting twist. The ice will serve as the home team and will benefit from last change for both games. The Pats will utilize their home bench that they're familiar with at the Brandt Center, the ice station at the visitors bench. Teams have agreed to a revenue sharing model to accommodate the ice who will be losing out on two home games. Ticketing information for the two games now scheduled at the Brandt Center can be found where you normally find your tickets at the Brandt Center website or at reginapats.com. It works out very well for the Regina Pats as uh, they are uh, going to get two home games they didn't think they'd get in a quest for a playoff spot as they're two points out with three games to go and now both of those games against Winnipeg at the Brandt Center. That's Pat Chat for Kevin's Marine. Make the most of summer with a boat or pontoon from Kevin's Marine in Fort Coupel. Kevin'sMarine.com. You can follow us if you want. We're actually quite social. On Twitter, search at SportsGage. 620 CKRM. And wherever you're listening, <clears throat> however you're following, thanks for doing it. It's Ballsy here. I want to say hi to Ryan Hunter listening. Uh... I think he's listening on the app. So hi to uh, Ryan Hunter, one of the uh, great Sports Cage listeners. Uh, Our show is brought to you by our friends at spreads.ca. All our texts come to you via the Capital GMC Buick Cadillac text line, Saskatchewan's number one GM dealership. That number is 936-6262. And uh, all our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their various specials. And this segment brought to you by Nick Service in Emerald Park, your local, uh, local Massey Ferguson Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Call 781 1077 and our guest on the hotline is 
Farhan Lalji from TSN. Now, I don't know how big a baseball guy you are, but you are a sports guy, Farhan, so I would think you might have an opinion about this. Clayton Kershaw, one of the best left-handers ever in baseball, and I think he solidified that by helping the Dodgers recently win a World Series. So Clayton Kershaw is on the hill in Minnesota, in Minneapolis. It's a little cool. It's an early season game, a compressed spring training. So I get why the manager... Uh, Dave Roberts does it, but he's fanned 13 batters. He's had 80 pitches. He's through seven innings. The perfect game, and he pulls him out. Baseball's boring as it is. Can we not let him try for the perfect game? Yeah, look, I get that it's early in the season, and they want to manage all of these guys, but 80 pitches, I probably would have let him go a little bit longer and, and see where it got him. Uh, through eight, but uh, yeah, I'd, I'd heard the story, and just so you know, like I used to be into baseball in the 90s, mm-hmm. now I'm into baseball enough to know I can't stand the Toronto Blue Jays, and if I do have to like a team, it's the Seattle Mariners. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, that's the extent of my baseball uh, acumen at this point, but certainly I know who Clayton Kershaw is and, and how accomplished he is. It's my second. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, look, you go back to you go back to the World Series a couple years ago, right? And mm-hmm. pulls a pitcher when they could have, you know, they, they went with the analytics, and they you know, and it blew up in their face, right? Even though ultimately that strategy is what got him to that point. But sometimes you got to let the emotion of the game win, especially in a game like baseball. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Farhan Lalji. And, you know, uh, Seattle, for the record, my second favorite team. They're my American League team because I pick my teams based on my favorite players generally. And so for, for hockey, it was the Oilers. Uh, for football, it was the Chargers because of Dan Fouts back in the 80s, and he threw it like a, a CFL quarterback in the very first game I watched. Uh, you know, for the NBA, I love the Magic Johnson, the way he ran the floor, and then later Kobe and Shaq. Um, you know, and for baseball, it was Tony Gwynn. He was my favorite. That's why I'm a Padres guy. And then it was Ken Griffey Jr. for the Seattle Mariners, two of the best swinging uh, or swings in baseball. So that's kind of why those would be my two teams. And yeah, I'm not a big Jays guy because everybody is a big Jays guy. That's uh, here's another neat story though from baseball. Stephen Kwan of uh, the Guardians had reached base 18 times in five games. In fact, he hadn't struck out since Triple A ball in September of 2021. Uh, 76 plate appearances but he is now uh he had one today and it was a foul tip on a third strike into the gloves so he's his streaks finally over in their win but that was an interesting start for the cleveland guardians rookie okay let's get some hockey here first before we switch our attention to football farhan um bruce boudreau unless i missed it he's not officially the coach of the canucks like going forward has he earned a new contract to be coach of the vancouver canucks do you think well, Boudreaux signed a two-year contract when he came, and there's a club option, right? So there, and then mm-hmm. right now, you don't want to go into your final season of your contract. You know, the expectation is that you would extend. And while Boudreaux got hired before the management change, um, you know, Jim Benning had been let go at that point. So certainly, ownership who was discussing the situation with Jim Rutherford before bringing on Boudreaux, and Rutherford had not been named president yet, signed off on. The, the Boudreaux hire, right? So uh, so you have to think they approve of, of, of the hiring to begin with, and then now he's playing at a 650 clip. He's got the team playing at a 650 clip. So absolutely Bruce Boudreaux has earned the opportunity to coach the Vancouver Canucks next year. And, I mean, this last two weeks, I mean, you're playing without Brock Besser and you're playing without Tanner Pearson, and they've won their last four games, right? I know. So he is squeezing every drop of juice out of this orange. So, I, look, ultimately management's just going to have to decide that, okay, is this who we want going forward, and are we going to extend him? I, I don't think they would extend him you know, to a long-term deal, but 
certainly he's earned at least another one-year extension and a commitment that he's not going to be a lame duck coach next season. Yeah, do you do you put him in a Tortorella category where he's where he's he, he's good early, but he's kind of like one of those shooting stars. He doesn't burn for a long time. You know what I mean? Yeah, to a point. And I mean, in Torch's case, there's that emotional volatility component to it where people tune him out. And I don't think that's necessarily the case with Boudreaux. He comes in for really opposite reasons, right? But yeah, he's had the ability. This is his third stop now where he's come in and immediately turned the team around, right? And um, look, this isn't a good hockey team. It's still not. The fact that he's got him playing at 650, and it's been in fits and spurts, right? Like they had a great start you know uh, they, they won eight of the first nine games under Boudreaux then they slowed down and they had a couple of COVID stops along the way and then they slumped a bit and then kind of got hot again for a small period of time uh, before the last home stand. so it, it has kind of come that way but you know even a guy like Elias Pettersson is back playing at an elite elite level again and so he's brought all of he's brought the best out of these guys I mean I looked at it on my podcast last night their second line yesterday was JT Miller who's you know primarily been a winger here he was playing center with Pod Colson, a rookie on one wing, and Alex Chason, who'd been scratched multiple times earlier, on the other wing, and they've won four games in a row, and that's been the primary second line, right? It's yeah. So believe me, he's earned his money. And they can't catch a break because they they can't make up any ground in the standings. Yeah, I mean everybody they everybody that was around them last night, uh, the three teams, the Kings, the Predators, and um, Dallas, uh, Dallas all won yesterday, and I mean heck, even Vegas got a point here, which they shouldn't have. Uh, so they can't catch a break. And that's why I think they're going to need 97 points. Only three times in league history has a, t- has a team got 96 and not made it. And um, and I think this could be the next one, because when you look at what L.A.'s schedule looks like and you look at what Dallas' schedule looks like compared to Vancouver, man, like the Canucks have it tough compared to those two teams. Mm-hmm. So uh, I-, I think they're going to need a little bit more. All right, Farhan Lalji joining us here uh, from TSN. He's got uh, his hands on lots of different sports. Let's talk a little NFL here. Derek Carr gets an extension. Three years, $121.5 million. Now, I think he's going to average around $40 million, But when you consider last year, that terrible uh, drunk driving thing with rugs, uh, you had uh, the John Gruden stupidity. So you got a, you got a kind of a... I don't want to say lame duck coach. Basaccia comes in there and he's an interim coach. So you got that situation. Waller, maybe his best offensive weapon, was out for a good chunk of the season and he still gets them to the playoffs. Like Derek Carr is, like I look at it, I kind of rank the quarterbacks uh, Mahomes, Rodgers, Allen, Brady, Herbert, Burrow, Wilson, Stafford, Carr. Like I'd put Carr 9 10. I, I think he's a top 10 quarterback. How about you? Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, and look, I'm not going to say – well, you know what? I, I shouldn't say he hasn't earned his money. I, I think he was the single biggest reason why they were able to get into the playoffs, more so than Rich Passaccia. And um, it's a tough division to be perceived as a great quarterback because it's all about Mahomes and Herbert. I mean, if you ask me, Russell Wilson is still the third-best quarterback in that division, and mm-hmm. Derek Carr isn't really that far behind him at, at four. And, and that still, like you say, could put you in the top ten of the entire NFL that's how good that division is for quarterbacks. So it's going to be a tough ask to get them to take the next step. Um, but, you know, they've made some positive moves in the offseason. It's just like all this guaranteed money just makes me nervous, right? And I think the Deshaun Watson thing was so wrong. Like oh. That contract was so wrong. And it's it's a game changer for every quarterback right now. And, and for others as well. Like, I mean, the Cleveland Browns, who generally get it wrong, have now all of a sudden put a lot of teams in a bind in terms of how to handle – 
these big mega deals and how much of it should be guaranteed. Well, Farhan, like it, um, Baker Mayfield was on a podcast today and he basically uh, broke a silence a bit saying he felt disrespected. They told him one thing and did another thing. Um, yeah, listen, the kid, <clears throat> he's not the first guy to ever be arrogant. He's not the first guy to kind of be a little bit abrasive. Apparently some of his teammates don't like him, whatever. But you're right. They give a $230 million guaranteed contract to a guy that hasn't played over a year and has a lot of off-field stuff, but yet... Uh, Baker Mayfield needs to learn a lesson and be humble. That is the most, that is the funniest thing I've heard people say. Uh, you know, on one side, this guy gets guaranteed, and the other guy, because he's cocky a little bit, he uh, he has to be humbled. But where do you think this Baker may, is Baker going to end up in Seattle? Like, where's he going to land? He's got, he can't stay in Cleveland. No, no, he certainly can't. Just like Jimmy Garoppolo can't stay in San Francisco, no matter what they say. And these guys lose value their teams lose value by the day, right? So I think you're going to see no movement until draft day, right? And mm-hmm. whether the moves happen at the draft or they happen immediately in the aftermath of the draft, which I think is the more likely scenario, you know, because there are still a bunch of draft-needy teams. And a team like Carolina, if all of a sudden they get jumped, uh, they, they're going to circle back and bring in one of those two guys. And, you know, like I'm looking at the latest mock drafts the NFL put out today, and they've got three quarterbacks in the top five, and none of these are top five quarterbacks. Like, this is, it's so bad, you know, and and I look at it, and I've always said that players get so overvalued at the position because of the the desperate need, right? And you got Malik Willis, and, you know, I've said before that he needs to thank Patrick Mahomes because Mahomes hit such a big home run that no other general manager wants to be Ryan Pace again, right? Like, you know what I mean, Chicago Bears GM, who says, okay, we're not going to take him, we're not going to take Watson, we're going to take Mitch Trubisky, right, and and compare floor and ceilings, right? So even though Malik Willis has a really high ceiling and a really low floor, nobody wants to miss out on that potential ceiling, and I don't even think he's anywhere close to Patrick Mahomes' level. But there's such a need, he's going to get elevated. You know, Kenny Pickett should be, like, below Mac Jones, and Kenny Pickett is going to get elevated, right? And and I, I think who's the other one? Uh, Matt Corral. I yeah. think they had him yeah. like in the top five. Yeah. So, and I like Matt Corral a lot. I like him. I like Desmond Ritter. You know, like if I'm the Seahawks, I should be picking one of those two guys at forty, right? Mm-hmm. But the way you look at it now, it, it only takes one, and somebody's going to trade up, and somebody's going to trade up. And I go back to I go back to Goff, uh, Jared Goff, and um, uh, Carson Wentz. Their year, neither one of them had a top ten grade at the end of the season. But some teams fell enamored, others got desperate, and two teams traded up crazy amounts of draft capital to get those guys at one and two. And where are they now? They are where their projections were at the end of the season as opposed to what the draft looked like, right? Um, You know, Dwayne Haskins, Daniel Jones, all those guys got elevated because teams were desperate. Baker Mayfield, number one overall, desperate. And this is what's going to happen with this year's draft class. This is Farhan Lalji for a couple more quick questions here. He'll join us again on uh, Good Fridays. We'll have him on for a couple of times this week. I want to get more into the XFL on Friday and, and what could be going on there. Um, in terms of, you talked about analytics and in baseball. From what I hear, Chris Jones, a big analytics guy in terms of football, and when you should gamble, and what you know, this running play does this and that. He just added Mike Beaudry, who uh, was uh, a Reginan up until the grade nine or till the age of nine. Pardon me, went down to Florida, then ended his college career with the Idaho Vandals. So we'll see uh, how he figures in the mix. But it's one of seven arms going to camp for the uh, Edmonton Elks. 
Do you believe the Edmonton Elks have a quarterback room as you see it there? Now, big names, some big names, JT Barrett and stuff. But do you think they have a quarterback room that can uh, make them successful? I don't know. It's a good question. Uh, right now, I'm not a believer. And I don't know that he's got analytics involved in any of this decision-making because you don't take a guy like JT Barrett who's been sitting for five years and say the analytics suggest mm-hmm. he could be your guy or a guy like Mike Beaudry who, you know, was, was nev- not generally an established starter for a full season. And Idaho certainly played a lot of games and, and had enough miles. And, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you can hit with a Canadian and it affects your ratio, you might as well try, right? Um, but I think they got a collection of arms. I'm not sure they got a you know an accomplished quarterback room uh, by CFL standards quite yet. So I think he's just hoping that one of these guys is going to impress and hit and figure out the game faster mm-hmm. and see where it takes him. I mean, Beaudry's been gone for a long time, right? So it's not like you can say, oh, well, he knows the Canadian game just because he's Canadian. That's fiction, right? Right. Um, so, you know, JT Barrett, it's going to take him a while to learn this game. And, uh, you know, so I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of questions there, and they've invested so you know in a number of other spots mm-hmm. on that roster. They could benefit big. Uh, by the decision that looks like it's going to be made by the league to, to put uh, uh, Jalen Pelly in the dr- this year's supplemental draft. So all of a sudden they could get Richards and Pelly, uh, you know, as instant day one guys that could start or contribute yeah. defensively and change the ratio. So, you know, they're they're going to get some, some breaks along the way here. But uh, the one thing is, you're right, Jones is a gambler, not afraid to take risks, and we'll see if one of these quarterback risks pays off. All right. Thanks for this, man. I really appreciate uh, your time. We'll talk to you on Friday, okay? All right. Take care, bud. That is a Farhan Lalji on the uh, Western Pizza Hotline. When we come back, we'll uh, have a sports ticker. And then on the other side, Three Down Nations, John Hodge after 6 o'clock talking CFL draft. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Time time now for your sports ticker brought to you by Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. 781-2090. Canadians taking on Columbus in Columbus. And right now it is a 1-0 lead for the Blue Jackets. Rangers and Philly scoreless. Last I saw Kings travel to the Avalanche. They had a big win yesterday trying to keep their playoff hopes in check. And Seattle cracking a Jets game postponed. A reminder, Pats and the Ice were supposed to play back-to-back games in Winnipeg, but they'll play here uh, Friday and Saturdays. The Pats get some home action uh, on their way to try to get a playoff spot. Three games in three days on home ice. So that's good news at the uh, Ticket wicket, good news watching Bedard try to become the youngest player to score 50 in Western Hockey League action. He has 49 and a good chance for you to watch the Pats try to secure a playoff spot. Blue Jays taking on the Yankees right now. They're in the top of the third. They got a two out. Vladdy Guerrero to the plate. Somebody on second base. I think it's Bichette and it's one nothing for the Blue Jays. Speaking of baseball, it had been 300 or sorry, it had been 3,855 days since Albert Pujols homered at Bush Stadium as a member of the Cardinals, but some things never change, like the swing, the sound, and the result. And now it's Albert Pujols. In the air. Out to deep left. Welcome back, Albert! It's like you never left! 
Yeah, Albert Pujols, home run 680. And that universal DH rule is great for that reason right there. It keeps long ball hitters like Albert Pujols, who can't do it in the field anymore, in the game longer. And hey, anytime you get some runs, it makes it exciting. That was our Sports Cage Clutch performance of the night uh, yesterday. And uh, I got to mention, too, Alyssa Nacken. She's uh, an honorable mention. She broke another historic barrier on Tuesday, becoming the first woman to coach on the field in a major league game in the Giants' 13-2 victory over the Padres at Oracle Park. Giants beat the Padres today to take two of three from my San Diego squad. Uh, they beat them 2-1. to one. And yeah, like I said, the Blue Jays' one nothing lead over the New York Yankees in the third, and Vladdy Guerrero's just hit one over the fence. So Vladdy Guerrero knocks a two-run dinger to left center and the Toronto Blue Jays who open up the series in the Bronx with a 3-0 win before losing 4-0 yesterday are at it again. They're up 3-0 with the long ball there. A two-run shot from Vladdy Guerrero as he puts his index finger to his lips telling the fans in New York to be quiet. His third home run, second one in the ball game. I guess he hit one earlier. So two homers for Vladdy Guerrero Jr. picked by many to be a 60 home run hitter this year and if he did that in the process become the AL MVP and he just puts on that cheesy blue home run jacket kind of gaudy like the Masters jacket yeah the uh, Jays got a little cockiness to them they're feeling it right now 3 nothing in New York when we come back on the other side of 6 o'clock news John Hodge from 3 Down Nation his breakdown of the CFL draft coming up this is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM you're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Roughriders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. And wherever you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. Hopefully, you're safe with this spring snowstorm blowing through the prairies, probably wrecking some of your plans. Help the Regina Pats out. They're going to have two home games here back to back against Winnipeg instead of being at the Wayne Fleming in Winnipeg against the best team in the Eastern Conference. So uh, that's good as the Pats try to get a playoff spot and they've guaranteed a win on Friday. I don't know what they're drinking over there, but like they lost to the ice 7-0 the last time they played them. But it is a uh, guaranteed win night. If not, the Pats will... uh, They don't win. They'll give you a free uh, ticket to a game of your choice based on availability uh, next season. Uh, all our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. This show is brought to you by our good friends at spreads.ca. And, yeah, let's head out in the Western Pizza Hotline. Ah, oh, wait a minute. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. When we were in the 6 o'clock news, we got a message on our answering machine from Old Man Winter. He called us here on the sports cage. My producer, Colson Schultz, taped it. Here's what Old Man Winter had to say. You're not going to believe it. You're not going to believe it. Well, hello out there, whippersnappers. Old man winter here. Forgot about me, didn't you? The last I heard, you all were out there having a good old time in those balmy global warming days, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, it's easy to forget about the old people, but the thing is, we don't forget about you. No siree, Bob. We sit in our rooms biding our time and then whammo, we freeze you out of the will. <laughs> You think you got it tough now? Well, don't hold your breath. I've got some bad stuff up my sleeve for you ungrateful little losers. 
Wait until you slip on your sidewalk and feel my icy fingers on your spine. You'll wonder if you can get up. Then maybe you'll feel bad about how you treated an old man. But then it'll be too late because I'm winter. I was here long before you people, and now I'm after you. And tell Global Warming to stay the hell off of my yard. He's in a bad mood, isn't he? Old Man Winter is in a bad mood. Look what we're left with. It feels like January 13th, damn it. Let's try to heat things up here on the Western Pizza Hotline. John Hodge from uh, Three Down Nation, the great uh, website that has their fingerprints all over the CFL, joins us. Now, John, I, you have a 204 number, so are you in Manitoba? Is that right? That is correct. You're in Winnipeg? I'm uh, I'm actually I'm a couple hours west of Winnipeg, so uh, a little closer to Winnipeg than, than Regina, but uh, I'm I'm right here in this storm with you guys. Yeah, so is it pretty bad where you are? It's pretty bad. It's it's been more wind than snow. There's uh, there's spots on our deck that have collected nothing, and then mm. you look over, you know, a couple feet, and there's eight inches of snow from the drift. So. We'll see how it comes down. It's it's hard to tell because again the the wind is kicking everything up. So there's bald spots and there's deep uh, deep ruts. There's there's deep uh, areas where it's collected. So mm-hmm. it's it's certainly interesting. And and the, the forecast say it's, this, this is it for the next 24 hours. All so right. We'll so what it looks like. We'll see how it goes. John Hodge from Three Down Nation joining us. That uh, thanks for your time, man. Uh, so let's talk. You on Three Down Nation did a great job on. Uh, on your mock draft prediction here. You got the Elks taking linebacker Terrell Richards from Syracuse. That should be a no-brainer. He looked pretty good. Uh, you know, he looks like he's the real deal. Yeah, I mean, to me, this is this is a perfect fit. I mean, Chris Jones, head coach and general manager, covets versatility, athleticism, and length above all else. And Tyrell Richards at Syracuse didn't play this past season, ran into some off-field issues, uh, but that's not going to bother Chris Jones. Nope. He wants the size. He wants the athleticism, and that's what Richards has in spades. Six foot four, two hundred thirty-two pounds. Ran really well. Four point six forty-yard dash, and you know he was kind of a uh, an on on ball linebacker, uh, kind of an edge rusher at Syracuse. But he could learn to play well at the CFL. He could he could play Mike. He could even play safety. And if you've got a guy who you can plug. Almost similarly to how Chris Jones plugged Toby Antigua with the Riders back in the day at defensive end, at linebacker, at safety. Um, his high school coach even told Three Down Nation that Tyrell Richards is a good punter and kicker. So if you're a guy of, of again, his size, stature, athleticism, who can do three, four, five different jobs to me, that, that reeks of a Chris Jones draft pick, and I'm confident that Richards will be the first player off the board on draft pick. Well, what reeks of a Chris Jones draft pick is the supplemental guy, former UFC Dinos D-tackle Jamin Pelly, who has carried the ball at t- from time to time with the Dinos. Very stout in the middle there. He's an athlete. He's a building with feet. Dude's got his own area code. They could have a one-two punch right day one there. <laughs> yeah, you never know. I mean, Jamin Pelly, that, that news came out just today with the report that he'll be involved in the supplemental draft. I was confused because the rule is, according to CFO regulations, the draft list is set mm-hmm. 21 days in advance. Well, we're currently 21 days out from the draft on May 3rd. And so, you know, for instance, last week I reported a player named Mark David Benem. Uh, Montreal offensive lineman who attended Fresno State had been added. So I was confused as to why Jamin Pelly 
was not added to the main draft, but instead of a supplemental, it seems there's a bylaw that he's been able to enact that has him in a supplemental instead of the regular draft. But um, you raise an excellent point. If the Elks really feel like they need tackle or a, a help a defensive tackle and a player who can do a few different things, which which they do, they, they need some young talent there at their defensive tackle spot where I believe they'll start former rider Mac Henry, then you never know. Maybe maybe they, they bid a first-round pick and they end up with Tyrell Richards and Jamin Pelly. You can certainly... Uh, do a lot worse in a draft than those two. This is John Hodge from Three Down Nation, one of their excellent reporters. So you had the Red Blacks taking uh, D. Lyman, Deontay Knight out of Western. That's no shocker. Uh, Jalen Philpot from the UFC, one of the Philpot twins, of course, they're sons of uh, Jalen and Tyson, sons of uh, former BC Lions, Saskatchewan Rough Rider, the list goes on and on. Corey Philpot, great running back. So they come from good stock. Now, I'm not questioning their talent at the U Sports level because I've called Rams games, so I know very well what these guys can do. Uh, Jalen had a better year a couple of years ago. His brother Tyson was the Can West MVP this year, which I found kind of interesting. I don't think he should have been. He didn't have all-world stats. I thought maybe Mason Nye should have got it out of the U of S, but uh, apparently he was unanimous somehow. Uh, but those two brothers didn't exactly uh, light it on fire at the Combine. I... I, uh, I Listen, they're talented. I just got to know. I have a, I don't know, man. I, I wonder about their drive. That's what I wonder about. I think that's fair. I mean, the, the Philpots, they came into the combine, you know, projected to be top five picks. There was even some chatter about, you know, the possibility of, well, this Calgary, who already owns pick five, do they try to trade up and get both in the top five, considering they played for the Dinos? Or, as they were born in, in Delta, B.C., maybe maybe the Lions, who already mm-hmm. own pick three, maybe they try to trade up, get another top five pick, and take take the other twin. And that way you can package them together. They get to play together. You know, you can market that, build around it. There's local fits, right, with both clubs. And, and it is true. They were disappointing at the Combine. I talked to a number of scouts about their performance, and they said, look, like they're, they're solid players, but – the issue is they haven't necessarily gotten better, right? They haven't seen that growth. Um, you know, I think they, that's they a problem, John. Players. John, if I can just cut you off for a second, and I agree with you because I saw your you have a news and notes column, and I, I really want to have you here for two segments because I, I think uh, very valuable information <laughs> here. But here's the thing: that's that's that is a problem at U Sports. I think U Sports is getting better by and large. It is coaching's better, talents better, but. When I was looking for my son's school, it was like, okay, once you get past the first two, like I talked to Nick Lewis about this, and Nick Lewis said, you know, I uh, Anthony Parker's one of the best kids I've ever been around. I helped coach and develop him at a, you know, uh, when he was coming up at the USC and I was playing for the Stamps. Uh, he goes, but he's a guy that went to U Sports and. In practice, you know, maybe the first couple of guys, D-backs you face challenge you, but after that, you're not challenged. So when you get to the next level, you're not ready for that next step. And I think the Philpots could fall into that category. Yeah, I mean, the the issue with, with youth sports, I think, is you're just, you're not surrounded by as many future pros or maybe as many players who have future pro aspirations, whereas... You know, in, in the U.S., every kid coming out of college believes they're going to be a first-round NFL draft pick, it seems. You know, and we see that sometimes with the attitude at the Combine. We, You know, I've talked to lots of NCAA prospects who clearly feel as though they're too good to be there. Um, and then they usually get a reality check uh, after draft day. 
Um, and I've talked to lots of youth sports players who have, you know, stars in their eyes and they're just so excited. It's like, man, I just got to do an interview with, you know, uh, uh, with, with Ken Austin, right? And, and they, they grew up, you know, cheering for Ken Austin or grew up watching, mm-hmm. you know, some, some of the guys they're interviewing with now, Kahari Jones, right? And they, they so the attitude, the perception is certainly different. I, I don't think youth sports is necessarily going to inhibit a player's, you know, chances of developing. I think you just maybe need a little bit more intrinsic motivation to be successful. And I still think the Phil Potts have some juice. I still think there's some development. I just, that's the criticism that I've heard is that if you, you know, throw their film on from two or three years ago, they're not necessarily better now than they were then, which is not the case for the vast majority of other prospects who maybe, you know, you put on the film from two, three years ago and it's, you know, they're irrecognizable from a skill standpoint, from a, you know, at an athleticism standpoint, they, they look so much better. So mm-hmm. that's the criticism I've heard from the Phil Potts, and I do think there's a chance that we'll see Jalen fall further than three. I've got him at three now, but I, I do think there's a chance that the Lions could go elsewhere. And you got Tyson at 12, also going to BC, so that's interesting. And then you got, before we go to break, you got the Argos quarterback, Trey Ford from Waterloo at number six, and I think you also have his brother going to the Argos, if I'm not mistaken, too, at number uh, 10. That's kind of interesting. The brother Tan is in two different cities. Yeah, I've got the Argos right now as my number one team in the league in terms of Canadian depth. I think they've got very clearly defined starters. They've got depth elsewhere. They drafted two futures last year and Sage Docks-Tater, who's a really good offensive tackle from New Mexico State. And they drafted Luigi Villain, who just had a great season at Wake Forest. So you take their current roster, add in those two futures, and Toronto has the luxury. They don't have any holes to plug. They can just take the best player. And there, there will be other teams who try to do the same thing. But to me, if you're going to take Trey Ford, it's a boomer bust pick because you don't really know what he is. Is he a CFL quarterback? Maybe. Some people believe he is. Some people see him as a CFL slot. Some people see him as a CFL utility player, almost like a Chris Streveler in terms of, not in terms of body type, but in terms of usage. He can be a gunner on, on punt cover for you. He can run wildcat offense. He can, he can do a bunch of RPO or even run, you know, quarterback run designed plays. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm, if I'm the Argos, I'm going, okay, you know, our quarterback situation is up in the air. We've got, you know, McLeod Bethel Thompson is the starter. Not sure if he's a franchise guy. He's serviceable. Not sure if he's, you know, the long-term solution. You've got Chad Kelly coming in with all kinds of, you know, the, the you know, if you look at his Twitter account, you'll see he, he certainly believes he's going to be uh, an impact player at the CFL level. But that's still a question mark. So to me, they take Trey Ford, even if he's going to be in an NFL camp this offseason, which I think he will. I, I think mm-hmm. he's going to get signed in the NFL as an undrafted free agent. So it's a bit of a boomer bust pick, but I think Toronto has the best opportunity to take that risk. I think it's a good positional fit, and I don't think it hurts that the Ford twins are from nearby Niagara Falls, which I think could provide the Yargos with a nice marketing opportunity to really sell that they have not only local talent, but elite local talent at some of the game's most important. Yeah, that's a great point. We're going to get into the Saskatchewan kids from the U of S and the U of R here uh, on the other side of the break with John Hodge from uh, Three Down Nation. Great reporter and well-spoken as he here. Here is the first time I've had him on the show. This is the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the Sports Cage, right here on the Mighty 620 CKRM. 
Welcome back. We're closing the show up in fine style with our second segment with John Hodge from Three Down Nation. We've got a few minutes with him. We thank him for joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. The show brought to you by Spreads.ca. I want to focus on somebody you have at 22 with the Red Blacks, John. It is uh, Ryder Varga, veteran linebacker for the Rams, who uh, 6'3", 225, had a great season this year. You know, his measurables are okay in terms of the combine, but he is a very smart football player, but I want he said he's going back to school so maybe that drops his draft status a bit or did it really affect it do you think it does I think in my original mock draft that I published back at the end of February I had him going at 16 to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders his hometown team I've got him falling a little bit further than that just because you know historically when guys go back to school it usually costs them about a round and an example I'll give is Evan McAbroda defensive tackle for the Saskatchewan Huskies a few years ago was was probably a second round pick and uh, ended up falling I believe to the top of the fourth round to Edmonton now he elected to pursue uh, work opportunities out career opportunities outside of football never played professionally but you know that was an instance where going back to school you know cost him about a round and uh, for guys who prioritize the academics another player who had a really good combine who's who's going back to school is Rodine Brown, offensive lineman for mm-hmm. the University of Alberta. I, I did the same thing. Initially I had him, you know, mid mid round three and I, now I've got a mid round four. Um, it just just means that as a CFL team, you know, you have to wait an extra year on these guys. And depending on, of course, the nature of schooling, you know, there there maybe are questions about whether whether the player will actually turn pro because I know for Evan Macabroda you know, he suddenly had more lucrative opportunities outside of football than inside of football. And you can't blame anybody well, right. for, for yeah. wanting to, to pursue those things. So and vo- and vo- I think there are some questions there. And I, I'm not going to speak on behalf of Ryder or Rodney mm-hmm. and what they're planning in the, in the long term. I just think teams sometimes have questions, and that's that's why they fall down the draft board just a little bit. Well, Varga's got three classes left to be an engineer, so uh, he will definitely pursue that because he wants to have it done before he turns his attention fully to football. Redeem's a very smart guy in the chemistry world. I know that. And uh, he's a guy that really popped at the combine and surprised some people with his 280-pound frame. Uh, and I know you have him listed uh, kind of going to the Rough Riders. Uh, he's a Saskatoon guy going to the U of A. The highest-ranked Saskatchewan player, and I'm not talking from the U of S, I'm just talking Saskatchewan based player, but he is at the U of S, is the guy who comes from the Yorkton area. That would be Noah Zur, big offensive lineman, who's really got his footwork down now this last season. In fact, he went up against uh, the guy who you have listed as number two, uh, Deontay Knight, in the Vanier Cup and didn't give up a pressure in the game I watched. So I'll tell you what, uh, you know, his stock has really risen. And the Riders have spent on U of S Husky players the last little bit with uh, LaCombo and Matlin Riley. Exactly, and that's that's why I've got that fit there. I see the offensive line as the biggest need for Saskatchewan. Brennan Labatt did not play last year, has not officially made a decision regarding 2022, but my belief is the Riders are operating as if he will not return to the club. And then, of course, you know they had Dakota Shepley depart for the NFL. That offensive line, you know, it, I think they took steps last year. They got they were very young with Logan Furland, of course, uh, starting time at guard Matlin Riley was hurt most of last season but I think you know first of all there's there's that very strong pattern of Jeremy O'Day drafting local products to consider plus 
the need. And if Noah Zer's on the board there, and I, I think he, there's a there's a reasonable chance he will be at seven. If you're Saskatchewan, I think that's a pick you can't overthink too much. I think you say, okay, this kid's from our backyard. He fits our biggest need. He's six foot seven. He's going to be a good pro, and he is he is pro ready. He's arguably the most pro ready offensive lineman mm-hmm. in the draft. I think that'd be a fair thing to say. There might be some other guys with higher ceilings. I would argue. But if you want a guy who can come in, make an impact as a rookie, uh, I think Zur is a very solid pick. And then another uh, good the f- another good football player from the Huskies, a Saskatchewan guy, uh, U of S Husky guy, is uh, Nathan Cherry. And you mentioned Mac Henry leaving for Edmonton and Chris Jones. Riders, you know, need some depth at that Canadian D tackle spot. He's definitely a contributor for the U of S Huskies. He was a big time player for them in their Vanier Cup run. He was, and he's a player, I think, whose, whose stock has really risen. If there's a position at which I would say there's been a, a bit of a, you know, uh, a little bit of lack of, of depth in recent drafts, I would, I would identify the defensive tackle spot as one that has, that has not necessarily had the most depth. And so teams are hungry around the league for defensive tackles. There's not a lot available, and a lot of them, part of the problem is that a lot of D-tackles, if they're athletic enough, they get converted to the offensive line at the professional level. And so, you know, if, if Nathan Cherry is there for the Riders at 16, you know, I, I think that would be an outstanding pick for them. I think he's still got a lot of room for development. I think he can get a little bit bigger, which would be great. Um, the question is, is he still going to be available? I don't think he's going to go after 16. I don't see the Riders passing him up there. But I do think there's a, a potential for him to sneak into the early first round or even maybe at the tail end of the first round because I know the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, for instance, really need to add some depth there behind Jake Thomas after losing Jonathan Congo to the NFL. So I think there's a possibility Cherry goes higher, but I've got him right now to 16 to Saskatchewan. Three Down Nation, you can find his great work in the list of his uh, 2.0 mock draft, John Hodge, with the Three Down Nation. Thanks for guesting with us. We're going to call on you again if you don't mind. Anytime. That's uh, the great John Hodge from Three Down Nation. That will wrap up our show. All our guests can uh, come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. This show is brought to you by Spreads.ca, as it will be tomorrow when we are going to talk to Glenn Suter, uh, hopefully co- uh, catch up with our weekly uh, chat with Coach Craig Dickinson, maybe ask him about some of these prospects. Uh, so much on the show. Brad Haroff, coach of the Regina Pats, will join us talking about guaranteed win night on Friday against Winnipeg. Yeah, you heard me right. Guaranteed win night for the Pats. So much to get to tomorrow. Hopefully you're going to join us. Thanks to my producer, Colson Schultz, our program director, Abby White, and you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow.